Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Isn't It Lovely podcast, the podcast that seeks to shine the light on all that is lovely. I am Rachel. And I am Tracy. And today we have a wonderful author on the show today. Her name is Rebecca Mann Kelly, and she recently wrote the book, Return to the Garden. She is based out of Southern California, and Rachel and I got the chance to talk to her and had a conversation that has been on our hearts for years. For years. We did this over Zoom, but again, it was one of those really powerful conversations, Tracy, where I just felt like I was glowing for the rest of the day. She just put into words a lot of ideas and feelings that had been percolating in our spirits, as you said, Trace, for a couple of years. And it was just the first time that I really had um, had a conversation with somebody. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we've been talking about. Absolutely. And you could feel the power in the room as she was speaking. She is such a gifted speaker. And one of the things, Rachel, in her book that I found so astounding was she's said that Jesus himself could be considered the greatest proponent of women's equality who ever lived. So we unpack that a little bit and it's so powerful. We cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Rebecca, I'm so excited that we are here sitting with you. This is just, again, as we had set off mic, this is just such a dream moment for us because the different things that you're going to talk about today have been on our hearts for so long. So it is just a joy and an honor and a dream to have you here with us today. And to kind of kick off our conversation, we wanted to ask you about your book, Return to the Garden. And we are wondering if you could just share with our listeners why you wrote this book, sort of the premise of this book and why it was so important that you shared this incredible story. Yes. Well, hello, Rachel and Tracy. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me. I love your podcast. I think it's so special what you guys have going here. So I'm truly an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So yes, I wrote a book called Return to the Garden, Discovering God's Original Design for Women. It came out pretty recently. Uh, I'm a first-time author. In fact, my full-time job is uh, I work in corporate America and I'm a top 50 executive at a globally publicly traded um, financial services company. So this is a first time for me. Um, But it's a book about God's original design for women told through the story of my life. And when I sat down to write a book, um, it wasn't necessarily meant to be about God's original design for women. It was just about all the things that had happened to me in my life and how God had walked me through bondage, fear, pain, torment, abuse, and how he took me by the hand and brought me out of Egypt, essentially. And the the pattern that had repeated itself in my life of being in relationships with people who were cruel and abusive and me believing that I needed to stay small on purpose and submit and comply and conform. And the cycles that I went through actually had been married twice, divorced twice. Um, And I was an absolute disaster. And when I was still married to my second husband, someone asked me to coffee and I will never forget what happened at coffee with her because she said to me, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you okay? My husband and I have noticed the way that your husband speaks to you. And she wasn't the first person to ask me this question. But before that, I had always defended him and, you know, did what I thought was best. But that day was different. And I said, can I tell you a secret? When he tries to kiss me, I almost throw up every time and I don't know what's wrong with me. And here's what she said. She said, you almost throw up because that's the same mouth he uses to talk to you like that. And the moment that she said that, it went into my heart like a missile. And the like hard protective icy shell around my heart shattered. 
and I woke up. It was like I had been asleep for almost 10 years or probably longer my whole adult life. And I woke up and realized this. What was happening to me in my life wasn't all my fault. It wasn't all because of me. It was because of how someone was treating me, how someone was speaking to me. And so that conversation at coffee um, set off a course of events in my life where God would actually walk me out of darkness, captivity, abuse, torment, patterns of people pleasing um, and submitting under the rulership of the emotional abuse of someone else. And to bring me like like through so many signs, wonders and miracles to a place of absolute, total and complete freedom that can only be found in Jesus. So that's what the book is about. Wow. (laughs) So I have had the opportunity to read your book and it is outstanding. And everything you say comes back to this idea, what you just said of like God's original design for women. So this idea of returning to the garden and in the garden, there was a curse And for those of us that don't know, Rebecca, could you talk us through that? What curse are you talking about? What are we talking about when we're saying we want to redeem the curse and things like that? Is it possible to redeem the curse? I love this question. So while I was going through my freedom process, I woke up in the middle of the night with this image burned in my mind of this beautiful naked silhouette of a woman. And at first I was kind of embarrassed, like, why am I seeing naked pictures? And I asked the Lord what it was about. And he, I heard his voice say, return to the garden. And I was like, what is he talking about? And so I went into the book of Genesis and started reading in chapter one. And I probably read this like 800 times in my life, but it literally flew off the page to me. So here's what it says in Genesis chapter one. God made men and women both in his image, like both exactly in his image, And he gave them both dominion and authority over the earth. And so it was so, it like blew my mind. Like God's original design for women was to actually be exactly like God, men and women, just like God, but both men and women with dominion and authority over the earth. And it was that simple. It was like the perfect equality of men and women, you know, in in perfect intimacy with God and perfect intimacy with each other. And God was like, this is what it looked like. This was the original intention. And then you get to Genesis chapter three. And this is like when everything went to hell in a handbasket, right? Eve ate the apple. She gave some to Adam. He sinned. They realized they were naked. They were ashamed and hiding from God. And the consequence of their sin was the curse, right? So you can read the whole thing in Genesis chapter three. But this is the second thing that literally flew off the page and smacked me in the face. Part of the curse was this to women. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so gender hierarchies didn't start in the design. It wasn't part of God's plan. It was actually a result of sin, the curse and the fall in Genesis chapter three. And so the entire history of humanity has been born into this curse and sin of like unhealthy skewed positioning of men and women on the earth where men take a position of dominance and rulership and women take a position of subservience and being ruled over. And so it's normal that that's a pattern on the earth because that's what happened in the fall, but it's not God's original design, which is perfect equality and shared dominion and authority. And so this whole topic of the curse is important 
Because the entire reason Jesus came to earth and died and rose from the dead was actually to free mankind from sin, the fall, and the curse. And so this is one of my favorite things in the Bible. When Jesus went to the temple and said, please hand me the Isaiah scroll, and he reads Isaiah 61, he actually tells the world why he came to earth. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Like Jesus came to remove the oppression of the yoke of the curse, especially from women. Like it's his entire purpose in coming to the earth is to set people and women free from the curse. And so this is all very exciting because what it means for you and for me is that Jesus has now paid the full price to return us to the place that God originally meant for us, perfect equality, shared dominion and authority over the earth. And he's already paid for it. His death and resurrection, his blood has already purchased it. So I think that's very exciting. I'm sorry, there was a little pause there because Tracy are just blown away by everything that you're saying, Rebecca. Genuinely, my heart is just pounding and my soul just feels like it's on fire by by what you're sharing because this is so beautiful and it's so empowering. And Rebecca, I just want to say too, one thing that I have noticed whenever I've consumed any of your content or even just this conversation today, that you are not pushing women toward self or or selfishness, you are inviting and encouraging women to step into their intimacy with God as well. And I think that is so incredible. And it's very clear that that's what you're calling people into, like that beautiful relationship. And you've touched on this a little bit, and you've mentioned in some of your other writings that Jesus himself could be considered the greatest proponent of women's equality who ever lived. And, and I love that so much. And we know that Jesus, the, the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and another person in the New Testament is the woman at the well. We know that when Jesus rose again, he entrusted the message to the women that came to his tomb. There's so many beautiful and other examples as well, countless here in our Christian faith. But when you talk about that, could you just expand on it, what women's equality means today with Jesus at the helm? Yes, yes. So... It's crazy to me that even the secular historians on women in the history of the world cannot fathom why Jesus is such an anomaly. I read a book called The History of Misogyny, which was not written by a Christian. And this guy was like, I cannot believe how Jesus was operating in such a countercultural way, because in his day, women had an extremely low status. And the way that Jesus interacted with them included him as part of his ministry, um, you know, ministered to them. He didn't see them as inferior and it was completely scandalous. I think it's part of why the Pharisees were so offended at him. And so Jesus like really sets the bar. And he, he was there in the beginning in Genesis chapter one, when God said, let us make men and women in our image. Like he's talking about himself, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Like Jesus was there at the very beginning. He was part of the creation. And so Jesus, when you read all the stories of him and his interactions with women, you never come away with him believing that they're inferior or him believing that they have some sort of different status than the men. In fact, when Jesus was crucified, there were more women still with him than men. Like, where were all the disciples? Like, guys, where are you at right now? When he was raised from the dead, you know, it was a woman who was actually there and was the first carrier of the gospel. So I love Jesus's perspective on this. 
But you can also look at the teachings of Paul and others. And like, here's one of my favorites, Ephesians chapter five. So this is the famous chapter that says wives must submit to their husbands, which it does say that. But if you read the whole chapter, it's actually about mutual submission in marriage that the woman submits, but that the man also submits. In fact, it says that a man is to humble himself so fully to his wife that he would lay his life down for her just as Jesus gave his life for people. And so it's such a beautiful picture of God's design for marriage, mutual submission, mutual honor. And it goes back to the design in Genesis chapter one. So any structures that we see that aren't a mutual honor, a mutual submission, it's actually the curse and not the original design. I love that distinction. And I feel like this is the perfect time to share in this conversation that we love men. We love boys. We don't need to. And the seeking sort of like the restoration of the equality, it doesn't mean like, okay, well, down with men. I mean, we're all raising sons. <laughs> we adore. So I feel like that is such an important distinction that you just made. Lest anybody get any kind of wrong idea. It's like, no, there's room for everybody at the table. Like this was God's intent and everybody has a place. I agree. And you know what? Here's the thing that is really hard. Because of what Jesus has done, it is actually the job of Jesus believing Christians to restore women to her place before the curse, right? It's the job of the church and Christianity. But the devil has worked very hard to oppose that purpose and to actually drive the Christian church into places where they establish gender hierarchies as the rules of engagement in Christianity, Right. Which is like, basically, let's memorialize the curse as the way we operate in Christianity. And so not all Christians are that way, but it's the devil's strategy to twist things and to to maximize of this, like sometimes prideful need men have from the curse to rule. And so because the church isn't the loudest voice on the role of women and, you know, on the contrary, is sometimes a force pushing her down more than anyone else. The vacuum of the role of women in the world has been filled with lots of voices and viewpoints and perspectives that aren't God's perspective. And so we can all agree, like some of the some of the feminist movements that are sweeping the earth, they're not all bad. Some of some of their efforts, like, you know what I mean? First wave feminism gave us the right to vote. We can all agree that that was a very good thing. But but some of it gets really mixed up and jumbled and takes um, women to really dark places of things that completely displease and more in the heart of God. But it because there's a vacuum, because the Jesus believers aren't there saying this is the role of women according to God. And so I believe this is part of why God asked me to write this book. And it's not like an angry feminist manifesto power struggle where we're going to wrestle power back from the men at all. It is a you know, suggestion that we all return to the word of God and we ask the Holy Spirit what he meant for when men and women. And we do an assessment of the scriptures that deal with this and the light bulb comes on and we start to operate in the earth bringing women to their proper place according not to a secular standard, but according to the biblical standard. Uh, we can end this interview right now. <laughs> Rebecca, that was, oh my gosh, talk about a mic drop. 
That is one of the best explanations I've heard of it, to be very honest with you, Rebecca. And I agree. Just coming into this interview, Rachel and I kept talking about this conversation is so important. And we saw something just a few months ago, actually, I think it came out from Christine Kane, but it was basically a word that saying that God is calling his daughters to rise up. This is, this is the time. And I love what you said about there is a vacuum out there and we need to be filling it with the correct voice, with the truth of who we really are. So amen, sister. I just co-signing everything that you said. Um, okay. So piggybacking on a couple of things that you just mentioned in that Gosh, I just can't wait to go back and listen to that like two minutes. That's pure fire. Um, One of the things you said in your book, I'm actually going to read it right back to you because it really struck me. It said, um, you said, ever since I woke up from a life where I was secretly and silently dying from constant emotional abuse, I have suddenly begun to see how many women are in this same situation, especially those in the church, and that it's a silent killer of women. So I guess my question for you in that vein, Rebecca, is why do you think that is? Why do you think, and again, you touched on this a little bit, but why do you think it's so prevalent in the church that women are suffering from this? And also, can you talk about what emotional abuse is? Yeah, absolutely. So if the curse said your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, and that was something that was perpetuated on all of humanity, We should not, none of us should be surprised that men and women are born into this. It's like the default position. And so people who aren't living and operating in this particular aspect of the curse and the fall are like highly victorious because it's what humanity is born into. And so, and you know, I think what's really important to look at here is that um, the emotional abuse and sometimes the narcissism of men that that perpetuates an emotionally abusive situation um, that we're not ever wrestling with flesh and blood, but with powers, principalities and dark spiritual forces. This is all in Ephesians chapter six. Right. And so I just want to say off the bat um, that even my experience with men who tortured me, who were narcissists, I've actually come to realize that although they made bad choices, that were sinful, but they were also being influenced by dark demonic forces. Like narcissism is a spirit and it's a really ugly one that torments women. And so I think it's important to sort out the narcissist is not the enemy. The human person is not the enemy. In fact, they're, you know, broken, separated from the Lord, probably desperate for reconciliation and peace. And so remembering like that, you know, God loves them just as much as he loves us. However, when when a narcissist um, victimizes a woman, emotional abuse is one of the most torturous things that a human can endure. And in fact, I was I was married to someone who emotionally abused me for almost 10 years, and I had no idea what was happening to me. I had married him. I had made a covenant to never consider divorce, and I didn't feel like I had any choices in the matter. So emotional abuse is this. It is cycles of manipulation and control that keep a person paralyzed and feeling like they're crazy and managing the emotional well-being of the other person at the sacrifice of their own personhood. And so, I mean, I was self-medicating my heart pain. I was drinking two to three cocktails every night for years and years, and I had no idea what was happening to me. 
and what was wrong with me. And it wasn't until I woke up when I had that coffee date and that missile fired into my heart. Did someone recommend to me like, hey, have you read any books on emotional abuse? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of emotional abuse. But as soon as I started reading about this and devouring books, I realized it was exactly what had happened to me. And it was just an outcome from the curse cycles where women intentionally submit under the rulership of someone else who mistreats them and men who come in with this belief that they have the authority to rule. It's like literally just the curse from Genesis chapter three. But I think part of why it's so common, not only because men are born, men and women are born into sin in the fall and that's sort of the, the default position. I think some of it is also especially for women is that they lack an understanding of their actual value. So this is this is really important. Why do women stay in emotionally abusive situations? You know what I mean? And to me, one of the primary reasons is they don't understand how important they are, their own worth, like their worth to God, their worth in general. Someone who knew how important they was with such a like a profound um plan for their life that understood God's like ultimate goal for them was to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a future and a hope. Like someone who believes that they were born to operate in the great commission that Jesus gave us, like someone who was really grounded in that identity would never fall into cycles of emotional abuse, manipulation and control. And so the answer to these questions isn't for women to rise up and be like, I'm a victim, you abused me. Although it's important to acknowledge you were abused because if you don't, you will stay in cycles of abuse. But after you wake up and realize what has happened to you, you have to walk out of a victim mindset and become an overcomer. And an overcomer says, I was victimized. This person tortured me and it sucked. And I can feel all my feelings, but I'm gonna take all my, my pain to the foot of the cross And I'm going to ask Jesus to redeem everything because he does redeem everything. And I'm going to ask him to take my pain so far away from me that I can't even remember its sting. And I'm no longer going to be a victim, but I'm going to be called an overcomer. Someone that through the power of Jesus has actually come out of all the pain, regret, trauma, torture, generational sin, generational curses, and has actually stepped back into the identity that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. And I refuse to like live in this place of a victim where my pain like falsely nurtures me, my accusation of someone else, but I'm going to rise out and above and I'm going to overcome. And so I believe that's God's will for women who have experienced abuse and torment. You got to wake up. You got to realize what has happened to you, but you have to come into a revelation of your own value, who God says that you are and become an overcomer. You keep hearing a pause after you speak, Rebecca, because Tracy and I are, again, for the millionth time in this podcast, just quietly sitting here stunned. I think Rebecca should just take over. Rebecca, <laughs> we're just turning the mics over. No, no, you guys. Rebecca, so, I'm like crying over here. I know. Like, I, I, we I, are, yes. We are too. I can feel the power of what I'm saying because yes, it's the word of God. It is the and word. And I can feel God's heart for women. Like, his heart and his love for them. And like, especially women who are in abuse, like he sees you, he sees you in your pain. You're like hemorrhaging heart and he has more for you. It's not God's will for you to stay in captivity. 
Jesus came to free the captives. And I think so many women are stuck because they actually believe that it's God's will for them to stay because they believe that divorce is the worst thing that they could ever do because they've been taught some things that are twisted, but they misunderstand like God's top priority is the freedom of the captives. And so if you're a captive, like hear this, Jesus's plan for you is to be free, free from torment, free from torture, free from bondage, captivity. And it's possible. He walked me out of a whole hot mess, you know, lifetime patterns of this. Um, and he, he came in like when I opened my heart and I called to him and I said, please help me. Like crazy stuff started happening. People who I hadn't seen or talked to in 10 or 20 years started calling me like, God told me to call you. Are you okay? You know what I mean? Like, you know, therapists, counselors, prophets, like God surrounded me with this support network and I didn't walk through this alone. And I don't think anyone has to walk through it alone. That is like the perfect segue into this next question, Rebecca. I was texting with Tracy about this last night and I was like, gosh, the word that keeps coming to my mind every time is invitation or invitational. And I feel like you are standing here and you are calm, but empowering. You are loving, you are nurturing. And I feel like you are calling forth God's women and God's people and just embracing everybody and inviting you and say, come on, like step forth, like and, and you're leading like to your point about not being alone. It's like you're, you're leading them and, and you're there for them because even if they don't have the people that they can recognize right now, they have your book and your content and your voice. And, and that's so incredible. So for women that are listening to this and feeling that invitation in a super personal way, what would you suggest are the steps that they can take to sort of answer this invitation? This is a very good question. And you know, my book just came out a couple weeks ago, but since then I have been absolutely flooded with messages from people saying, Oh my gosh, it's like you were writing this book and it was my story. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like, this is like, I stayed up all night reading it. I can't stop crying. Like, this is crazy. Um, and so I am gonna, I am gonna write a workbook as a next, um, you know what I mean? Like here, like the book, the book is important, but like how, like step by step, you know, piece by piece. Um, so that's coming soon. Yay. Very exciting. Um, but here, here's what I would recommend. The very first important thing to do is to open your heart a little bit up to Jesus because anybody like you cannot live in an emotionally abusive relationship with your heart open. Like you would die you would die. You wouldn't be able to survive. So anyone who has been living in this torment has put a shell around their heart so that they can survive. Um, but the first step is to open, not open to everyone, open it a little bit to Jesus. When I first woke up, this song came on my shuffle um, by Pat Barrett called Sales. And the song says, I let out the sails of my heart. Here I am. Here you are. And when I heard that song, I actually invited God in and I, I I said, can you please help me? And it was the first time I had ever said like, hey, I'm in tremendous hidden pain. Can you come in and can you help me? And like the moment that you do that and you invite the Lord in, he's going to come rushing in. And I'm not going to lie to you. Coming out of captivity is not like a fast or easy process. Because you've been living a life of captivity. It's like the Israelites in Egypt were slaves. 
and for 400 years were mistreated, abused, and asked God to deliver them. And Moses came and pulled them out of Egypt. And the minute Pharaoh came running up behind them, they were like, hey, Moses, like, we should go back to Egypt. At least we knew what we were going to eat and sleep. You know what I mean? They wanted to go back to Egypt. Leaving the captivity of Egypt is very unsettling. And it's not like all butterflies and warm fuzzies, especially, you know, if you have have been living this sort of like pretend life where you conform and comply and you finally wake up and decide you actually want to have choices and be a person. Um, and so it's a process, but opening your heart to the Lord is the, the most important thing. Um, and to get, get in the word, get in the Bible, read the scriptures, like read the Psalms, declare them over yourself. Um, this is impossible to do without the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And he's faithful. Ask him to send you friends who will walk with you and not judge you. Ask him to send you, you know, if you're if you're not in a church that's supportive, ask him what church will support you. Ask him what books you can read. Ask him if you should see a therapist, a counselor, all these resources. But God said to me, you will not walk through this alone. And he was faithful. I didn't. I didn't walk through it alone. I had so many people coming out of the woodwork. And I believe that for every woman who decides to leave captivity, that he is faithful to his promises, that he will, like his word says, Jesus said, I'm with you until the very end. Um, And God is not a liar. He is faithful. He's there. Rebecca, what I hear is just such practical advice. And two things that I'm taking away from this is... I'm feeling emotional about this too, because you, we do, we feel God's heart in this for his, for his women. But when you say open your heart to Jesus, I think that's so true. Cause I think some of us have just, we've had to protect our hearts for so long. And so some of us don't even know how to do that. And what you yeah. just said is just so practical of just open the sails of your heart and let him blow that wind in. He'll do the yeah. work. You just have to say yes. And then the second uh, thing that I heard you say was, in doing so, you will find out who you are. Your identity will come to the surface and you will see how much worth that you have, that you were created for a purpose. And then thirdly, the the last thing I heard too was, there are some of us that God's gonna use to speak into somebody's life and just to be available. And to when God leaves a woman on your heart to just call them, like they called you Rebecca in that dark time. So there's just so many things, key takeaways here for all of our listeners who are listening. In, including men, like men, you can be a part of the redemption story as well. Again, we love our men. We never want to leave them out of this because they're part of this, right? We're all in this together. And I, gosh, Rebecca, I think I said this to you in an email, but there are so many women in my own life that I just can't wait for them to get a hold of your content, this podcast, your book, just to see that other, they're not alone. And I think that's the biggest thing. And you mentioned that in your book several times of just, you just can't do it alone. And when you are alone and nobody can see what's happening, that's when the abuse can really take root. Exactly. Exactly. No, I agree. I agree. This book is for men too. Like you said, we love them. I've actually had several men message me and say, this is a game changer. Thank you for writing it. Um, but let, let me say this about the Lord. I grew up believing, like in a Christian church, believing that my my most important priority was to not disappoint God. And I had this like twisted perspective on God like being mad at me and thinking I was a failure and a screw up and him being concerned about all my mistakes. And so if you live in a mindset like that, you'll never open your heart 
up to him because that's not safe. It's really scary. And so, and, and this is part of why writing my book was so important. I actually had a revelation of God that was super different, that he doesn't ever come in condemnation. He doesn't ever force himself on us. He stands at the door and knocks. You know, he gave Adam and Eve their choices. He gives us all his choices now, but he's inviting us to come into his heart and to like, even almost like sit on his lap and to give them all of our pain. And the Bible says he will give you beauty in exchange for ashes. You know, he will give you like a new garment of white robe for your rags, but it's an exchange. And so it's almost like you got to take your big mess and say, here it is. Here's my mess. And and to believe and know that he's not like up there angry with some rod like you, you've messed up, that he is waiting for his daughters to return to him. So that he can, like, you know, he's kept all our tears in a bowl. Like, he's so kind and loving. And so when we start to understand the nature of God and to remove all these lies about who he is that the enemy has repeated to us, it becomes a lot easier to get healed because it's a super safe place. Like, his arms are a super safe place to go and to be made whole. We're just all crying. We're all crying over this. Is so this is so beautiful, Rebecca. I'm so sorry. Where, um, where can people find you, your book, all around the web? Um, tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So my book, Return to the Garden, is on Amazon. You can get the paperback, hardback, Kindle, or audiobook. I actually recorded the audiobook in my own voice. I thought it was important to do that. Um, I'm on Instagram, Rebecca for Jesus, the number four. Um, you can find me on Facebook, just Rebecca Man Kelly. And then I have a website, which is RebeccaManKelly.com. I love it. When when Rachel, before we... I've, okay, P.S. I've known Rebecca for years. We've lost contact for over a decade, but it's so fun to see her in the flesh. But Rachel, when we would talk about interviewing you, she was like, when are we going to, when are we going to interview Rebecca for Jesus? <laughs> it's true. I love your name. <laughs> so we love your Instagram handle so much. Um, oh my gosh. I, Rebecca, I just don't think this is the end of your uh, author career. How do you say that? I don't know. I just, there's more books in you. There's more things that I want to talk to you about that maybe we'll have to do a part two, but just even your career, Rebecca, everything that you've done in your life is just, it is just wonderful to see and sit back and watch your star rise and just see how the Lord has just been walking with you this whole time. And to see you now calling forth the beauty in women and just saying, come with me is just so beautiful. And I just, I'm so excited for people to get their hands on your book, for them to hear your content and for this podcast to get out. It needs to get out immediately. <laughs> I could not agree more. <laughs> Um, okay. We end every episode talking about something that we are loving, Rebecca. It could be a book. It could be your own book. It could be anything. What are you loving this week? Well, this week we had six missionaries staying at our house. And so my two boys, my kids gave up their bedrooms because we let them sleep on a mattress in our room. Um, so I've had my boys sleeping in my room for four days. They're 11 and nine. And this is like their greatest dream come true. Um, and it was in the middle of daylight savings. So for all the moms that just cannot stand why daylight savings is such a catastrophe in our lives. They were up like all the wee hours of the night because it was daylight savings. <laughs> 
So I've, I've been loving hearing them grind their teeth at night. They both talk in their sleep, <laughs> but they're only, they're only with me half the time. They're with their dad, the other half. Um, and they're leaving today to go to his house. So it's been, this is what I've been loving in the last week. My, my buddy's having a slumber party in my bedroom. That is so charming and delightful. And Tracy and I were both also commiserating on how we have, we've been late to school every day this week. <laughs> the, the Gage boys have been rolling in 10 minutes late. That is so fantastic. How about you, Trace? Okay. I was just pulling up my, um, my trusty podcast. I've been like a podcast. I don't even know. I've been consuming podcasts at an alarming rate. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything oh, wrong with that. Gosh, so there's so many <laughs> like this one. Listen to this one. Um, I mentioned her earlier, but man, she has just been in my ear a lot these last few weeks. And again, just there are no coincidences with God. And it's just really interesting that this is the podcast that he's put in my ear the last few weeks, just leading up to this podcast. But Kristen Kane, she has a podcast called Equip and Empower. So again, just a theme for us today, equip and empower. Um, and I can't even tell you there was one in particular, just every single one I have my notes app on here is filled with just notes from her podcast. So check it out. Christine Kane, equip and empower. She also has an amazing accent, which oh, is such yeah. a delight to listen to. It's very sexy. I might start talking <laughs> in an Australian accent. TBD. <laughs> Rachel, what are you loving? Oh my goodness. Okay. I have two things this week, girls. Um, I did do this sort of like random, like it's a long story, but it was a test to see if you had like food sensitivities or inflammation. And I got my results back and I was reading and I was like, I am so fortunate. There is just nothing being flagged here. This is great. And then I got to like the one high inflammatory thing. And it was coffee. And I was like, what? It was like a slow motion. No, oh, no, like spinning around the room. So I was like, well, I'm not giving that up. But um, all this to say, <laughs> it's a very long lead into my what I'm loving. Um, I have actually gotten into the London fogs, specifically at this place that we love to go to here in Sioux Falls, Rebecca. It's called Looks. It's a it's a market. It's kind of like a food hall. But they make, I do go there almost every day. Sorry I'm laughing. This is like her spot. This is it. <laughs> it's like a block away from my home. Um, but they make an amazing London fog and they have like this homemade vanilla syrup that has like the little beans in it. And it's like so magical. So I have been really loving the London fog. It's also made with like Earl Grey tea and any kind of milk that you want. So that's been super, super comforting. And then my other one girls that I'm loving is by our girl, Beth Moore, her memoir, all my knotted up life. I got the audio version of this. So I, just like you, sweet Rebecca, it's like her voice and it is so beautiful. And I think that Beth is actually really on brand with this conversation today has been a proponent for, for women, for women of God, for uh, survivors of abuse and has been quite brave actually in speaking out and protection of them. So this memoir is fantastic. Um, full disclosure, I'm only about a third of the way through, but I'm loving it so far. So those are two things that I I'm loving this week. I love it. I love it. Well, just as a reminder, everyone listening, go get Rebecca's book. It's on Amazon, Kindle, audiobook. I actually want to get the audiobook too now that I know that it's your voice. Same. <laughs> Sounds really yeah. fun. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, Rebecca, we cannot thank you enough. This was such an honor. I learned so much. I can't wait to re-listen to this. This was amazing. Thank you. Same. We just love you. We hope you come back. This was amazing. Please have me back. I love you guys too. I love all the listeners. All, all for the glory of Jesus. Thanks for having me. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Isn't It Lovely? If you love what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe by clicking on our show in your favorite podcast app and following the prompts. 
you can download all of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. You can also find all of our episodes on our website at www.isitnotlovely.com. And we are also on Instagram and our handle is isitnotlovelypodcast. Keep looking for the lovely in all things. Thanks for listening.